This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time, and we have a very interesting, very timely guest this evening, and you will be very interested in and the uh, information Elizabeth Menzel brings to us. She's really talking about what's going on with the hashtag MeToo women's situation. It's so much in the news and what the whole situation of how women can evolve themselves as human beings in the context of the craziness that's going on. Welcome, Elizabeth. I look forward to talking to you so much. Thank you so much. I look forward to being here with you and really sharing this vital information with you and your listeners. So Elizabeth, my friends, does get around. She's a three-time best-selling author, speaker, and founder of the Happy Women Academy. Happy Woman Academy, but I'm sure it's Happy Women because so many are there, where <laughs> she uses systems based in neurobiology, mindfulness, and compassion to teach women how to feel happy even after the trauma they've experienced in their lives. Her clientele are some of the most influential people in the world, including multiple billionaire industry moguls, Olympic athletes, international heads of state, and celebrity stars. She loves to travel and has delivered over 300 of her award-winning workshops worldwide. She does get around, folks, so we're really looking forward to hearing about it, and we're going to ultimately find ways to connect with her before we're done. So tell us, Elizabeth, how did you take that turn to become interested in actually sharing your experience and bringing along womankind to your perceptions of the way the world works and what they can do about it? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I, I worked with both men and women for the first 14 years of my career, and then about a decade ago, women kept hounding me about the work that I do, and I, I, did, I threw together for an evening a party, a vision board party, where they could pick my brain about the healing work I do, and that night has turned into the Happy Woman Academy, and we went from 10 women to thousands of women, and, um, and then recently, I have, I love how you said turned a corner, because that's how it feels to me too. Recently, I have turned a corner and focused on the connection between sexism and PTSD. Mm. Um, and as I do all of my work, it's from my own personal process and from the many, many women I help and that are around me and hearing what's going on with them. And surprisingly, what got me to really focus on this issue is my own boyfriend and the work that he does in the world. He goes into corporate workspaces and helps, um, well, I'll put it my way, he helps men see how they're sexist oh, yeah, right. and Ouch. stop being sexist he, so they can- He delivers the, the message. Ladder. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Not that it's commonplace, of really course. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard anything like that. <laughs> so um, it's, it's honestly, it's from um, 
going to hear him speak, spending time with corporate women, because I haven't spent a lot of time in that corporate workspace, mm -hmm. but hearing their stories, seeing their struggling and suffering um, has actually helped me woke, wake up to my own PTSD that's come from sexism. Oh my gosh, you've, been, you've yeah. experienced it yourself. Oh yeah, I honestly, now that I've been really focusing on this in my practice, I don't know if there's a woman alive that hasn't experienced um, some form of trauma from sexism. And, and I say that because usually people think of trauma or PTSD coming from some really big, horrible event, mm -hmm. war, rape, sexual assault, uh, a terrible car crash. Mm -hmm. um, the truth is that sexism can come from, I mean, a trauma can result from a thousand tiny cuts. Yeah, yeah. That happen over time. Yeah. Like um, just daily sexist comments. Uh, uh, little actions, these mental and emotional pains build up and they leave women feeling a lot of tension, right? Really tense, shut down, depressed, anxious, numb, unsafe, paralyzed. So women don't know that those symptoms are symptoms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they don't realize just how I didn't realize, listen, I've been doing this for 24 years, <laughs> just as I didn't realize how much of my own PTSD comes from that relentless everyday sexism. Well, and they put a person in a box. You know, it's the same thing we talk about here at Core Brain Journal all the time. That's why I'm so happy to have you on because we're so much against labels, you know, and of course, as soon as they're, you know, you've got religion is a is a label, uh, race is a label, and of course, gender is the universal label. You know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's yeah. more commonplace than religion, race, politics, it's there, and what happens is gender is so completely pervasive, people don't think about the reality of being slowly, continuously boxed up, boxed up in your life, so you just can't go anywhere because of the perceptions that have been created subtly one way or another in in your world. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's hard to become aware of what we're not experiencing or of what we're in denial of or what we get accustomed to and used to. Mm -hmm. um, and we can get used to any form of abuse. Um, and you know, men don't realize it, but women do. And I and I I think that's the sort of the explosive nature of the Me Too campaign. In the first day, 350,000 women said Me Too. Wow, that's a big number. I, I was not aware of that. That's it's astronomical. And so I, I think that, that, this, that the Me Too campaign has kind of given us permission to, to voice and to say out loud what we already knew was happening, but had become so accustomed to that we weren't able to vocalize it, which as you know, is a, a symptom of PTSD and trauma is you can't speak up for yourself. Well, I think sometimes also that the, and speaking for myself, I'm kind of doing a little bit of an Alec Baldwin here. because. <laughs> 
I don't know if, if you heard him talking about his situation. He says, you know, perhaps I've been on that side of it and didn't know it, you know. And uh, it was a, he's over on uh, Here's the Thing talking about this situation. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, I, I think the thing that's really redeeming about Alec is at least he's able to, even as a celebrity, have some humility in the situation and say, this is a learning curve for me because I think I've done this unwittingly. I think, and for my own sake, I think it's the issue of the subtlety of the situation. You know, when it's macro, it's easy to see. When yeah. it's an automobile accident, it's like, oh, my gosh, you've got an injury. I mean, right. that's not hard to see. But when you're on the gender-specific side of it, uh, my imagination and, and from what I heard here from women is that it's much more subtle. It's like a slow grind being nibbled to death by ducks who are people <laughs> who are saying the same doggone thing. So why don't you share some of those subtleties with our audience so they can begin to appreciate even more a woman's side of the perspective oh gosh yeah it it's i mean it can be there's so many things that women are faced with every day from um not getting recognized at work their idea they say their idea in the workplace and it doesn't get much of a response but a guy says the same idea and everyone says that's a great idea Mm -hmm. (laughs) right and they run with it um from women not getting um promoted through through the ranks um then there's then there's the little things like you know the 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 offhand comments to women that are sexual in nature um that that men just do as a form of teasing because with you know with men between men it's different than a man saying something like that to a woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, from, um, I have a huge, like massive list here. I'm trying to find, here we go. Oh, okay. Um, we get uh, taken advantage of in a lot of different situations, like by mechanics. That's a big one for women. <laughs> right? That's a big way sexism is just out there in our everyday Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, please. Yeah, you know, it, a, a woman going to a mechanic, um, maybe to get her oil changed, a twenty nine ninety nine job, routinely will leave there spending one hundred and eighty bucks, three hundred bucks, because the mechanic assumes she doesn't know what's going on with her car, and maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but it's so common that men are seen as the authority that women will either automatically not even knowingly um, uh, submit and just be like, oh, you know, you're probably right. Okay, yeah, go ahead and fix it. And they will play into our sense of safety. And they will tell us, well, you know, you're not going to be safe. If you keep driving the car the way it is, you're not going to be safe. And oftentimes it's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they'll use these various sort of gaslighting techniques of trying to make us think that we're wrong, we're crazy, we're ignorant, and that they know better. And uh, women either go one of two ways, right? Either submissive or aggressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it just really can, being in simple things like that day after day just erodes away at a woman's self-worth and makes us doubt ourselves. I've been in situations myself. I started my career 
as a neuromuscular therapist and um, specialized in injury rehabilitation, uh, chronic stress injuries, um, and that led me to specialize in fibromyalgia. And I get in conversations with other healthcare practitioners and defer to them when I definitely knew better. Mm -hmm. Right. And that just happens like that wouldn't happen with a female uh, mm -hmm. doctor or a female coworker, but it'll happen with a male one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It is interesting. I mean, even preparing for this interview with you, um, I've been interviewed a lot. You're the first man I've ever been interviewed. You're by. kidding me. You're the, it's, I can't believe it. Cause I, you been are so much fun to talk to girl. Now tell me, tell me about, <laughs> tell well, me about the word girl. Okay. Because I have been criticized for using the word girl too liberally. I think of myself as being in a way, having had a number of conversations with women that I can talk on that level because girls refer to girls as girls. And while I'm a guy and I know I'm a guy, I might be being a little too familiar using the term girl. Was that a mistake with you? With me personally? No, yeah. because I like uh, fun and playfulness and I know that your intentions are good. Mm -hmm. So it's, I know your intention behind it. Yeah. So the impact is different. Mm -hmm. If you were a uh, disrespectful human, yeah. 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 then it would have a different impact upon me. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, you could, you, a person could use that term in a derogatory way. Right. It could be about, seen as right? condescending. As opposed to a bonding way, like we're connected and, and we're being friendly. Exactly. And this is a fun occasion. You know, it could be, it could be destructive. And, and yes. yeah, thanks for clarifying that point. I well, thank you for asking about the impact on me. That's a way that a man is a good ally to a woman is by asking, hey, I just said this thing. How did it impact you? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I appreciate that about well, you. Well, thank you. And I, and I think it's interesting because you're so delightful to talk to. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, it is a challenge for men. And one of the reasons to even have this conversation is one of our, our, our large target audiences is women because we think that women actually subtly rule the world. I think guys run around and act like they rule the world. But I think that women are the people that keep the guys shaped up, keep the family together, keep the kids taken care of. And when push comes to shove, a guy will ask his wife, what do you think about this? And she'll give him some straight talk that he really needs because he may not get it from anybody else. And, and that's what a good marriage partnership is all about, you know? So Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I – you know, are we allowed to go down the rabbit hole on your show? Sure, sure. You say whatever you want to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because this, this is very fun for me, this part of um, this conversation. And, and the, the, the part of the conversation I want to bring up right now is, has been my work for a long time. It's just that I'm learning that PTSD, sexism connection right now. And it's really been galvanizing my work and bringing it all together. Um, so as painful as it is that, uh, that sexism, we're discovering how rampant the pain of sexism is in our society. I'm also glad that it's happening um, because it, it needs to happen. It, 
you know, it has to be revealed before it can be healed. So true. So, so true. Part of, yeah, part of what you were just uh, talking about to me is the difference between um, in our society, the outer world is very uh, praised and upheld as better than and more important than and more valuable than the inner world. And the inner world tends to be the, the world of the feminine, the world of emotions, relationships, um, um, introversion, introspection, intuition, thoughts, feelings. These are all inner world. But that doesn't get seen as valuable. In fact, it, it can even get vilified and put down because the outer world, going and getting achievement, knowledge instead of wisdom and intuition are seen as more valuable and more important. And societally for the thousands of years, men are seen as the holders and the caretakers for the outer world and women for the, the holders and purveyors of the inner world. And I think that that's where society gets in trouble as well as where individuals get in trouble because men who are seen as sensitive can be belittled Women who are seen as tough are called bitches. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it, it gets um, really convoluted, at the, that deep layer of disrespect that's going on and not seen as the outer world is equal to the inner world and they support each other. And they're both equally important to be a healthy, thriving, happy person in a society that also is a thriving society built on deeper values of happiness and well-being. You know, that's interesting. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you bringing that up because, you know, it's so true. And honestly, this conversation with you right at this moment, I hadn't really thought about the feminism or whatever you want to call it, the gender specificity of the internal world. But, you know, this is true because the issue in psychiatry so often, if you look at the, uh, the other medical professionals, you know, they think of psychiatry as being the flyboy outfit. You know, we're, mm. we're not a credible guy because you're running around talking to people about feelings. So who right. the heck are you anyway? And, you know, relationships isn't what we do. We're cutting arms off and, uh, you know, fixing uh, joints uh, by cutting out the leg or whatever. But right. know, saving people from dying from diabetes. But, you know, you're talking about feelings. What in the heck are you doing over there? And I hadn't really thought about the gender specificity of that. It's interesting because it's almost like we're still living in Neanderthal times. You know, the guys are out there chasing mastodons. And everybody that isn't chasing mastodons is weaker and insufficient. But the truth of the matter is that the tribe would not go forward if the woman was not back there making sure that everything got taken care of in a more meaningful way. In, in, a, in, a, in a deeper way. Very interesting point. Yeah, and it's, it's not just men and women. It's that within men, just as you brought up, um, that introspection, right? Looking inside, looking into your mental world within a man or woman is seen as less than, mm -hmm. less important than. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so it's, it's, to me, it, it comes out in society as man and woman, but we have the introspection and outward capabilities within ourselves as individuals. Um, but you can see that 
trying, like if you are more, like I have more of a propensity to be introspective. That's mm -hmm. just more natural for me. And mm -hmm. it, it is for a lot of men too. But you can see as, as a woman in a society where that's not seen as important, how do we fit in? How can we be happy? How can we get the respect we need? How can we feel valuable and valued? If our main mode of existing is that inner world, is introspection, where for me relationships are more important than achievements. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the bottom line, just as, as you're talking and I'm uh, uh, thinking about what you're saying, is in the end, what happens, guys tend to think of what's the utilitarian value of feelings? You know, what, who cares? I mean, what's the meaning of it? What does it do for society? They don't really, it's limited. I mean, society moves forward because everybody has a house and, and, and three hots and a cot. And, you know, and if society, and I put the hot and the cot there, so then everything else is out the window. Right, uh, and look at, look at the trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Look at the trouble that's gotten us into as a society. So true. So true. Right? Look at the, the rampant homelessness. Um, the horrible, I mean, PTSD has direct correlations to uh, uh, pulmonary diseases, um, which are higher in women than in men, because women are more likely to get PTSD than men are, which I, I think is I, fascinating. Yeah, I didn't know that the... Uh, I didn't know that about uh, the the illness associated with PTSD. I've heard other aspects of um, medical illness associated with PTSD, but I didn't know that one. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a tough one. Um, and you know, in a, in a more, I think it's also because you know our a woman's capacity to love is just monumental. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we we love so much and so hard and put love first, mm -hmm. and a lot of us do, and it's the most important thing to us. And when our love isn't seen as important as achievement, how can that not hurt relationships and society? They're so interwoven, and, and I mean, um, you know more than anybody <laughs> the value of psychoneural immunology and, and how it's all affected and works together. So you can't you can't have a healthy outer world without having a healthy inner world. They just go together. And I mean, I work with this is odd. Um, when we were writing my bio ages ago, is when we realized like, wow, I, there's I've worked with four or five billionaires, there's not that many billionaires in the world. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered is that their outer world achievements were, were monumental, mm -hmm. but they were extremely unhappy and often very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So I got to see that imbalance mm -hmm. that happens when you just focus on outer world achievements and don't focus on your inner world. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that outer world achievement, I mean, I'd be surprised if they were women, a lot of them are guys, because they are compulsively chasing that recognition. I think it's one of the problems we have with all of the guys. One of the things I was thinking about this whole Me Too situation is the guys that are doing this are chasing some kind of fame and adulation in the first place. I mean, mm -hmm. the people that we're talking about now, 
yeah, the, the mechanic who's being sexist may not be chasing fame and adulation, except for the fact that the woman is manipulatable and in his mind on some level, he's either going to take advantage of them or he's thinking this person is so weak, they need my help and I'm going to give them advice. You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to save them because they don't know how to find the bathroom. So I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy that's going to keep their car from breaking down on the trip to Richmond. And, and I am actually going because I'm so smart and I'm a guy and I know how to handle these things in the outside world. They don't know how to handle things in the outside world. So I'm going to give them some instruction and then, and then it winds up being embellished uh, with, you know, uh, a, a unwitting, uh, I think at times unwitting, uh, diminishment that diminish the person who's listening instead of really having a balanced level of conversation they're taking over and just going to like slam it home and call it a day. That's the end of the conversation. And I think that's what's happening with the sexual abuse. People are like, okay, I'm in this place. I've earned it. Now it's time, you know, it's time to pay up. I'm, I'm the guy I'm in charge. And so because I'm in charge and I, and I think a lot of these guys who are in these positions that you just described are really terribly anxious. I don't know Matt Lauer from beans. Okay. I think Matt Lauer handled himself very well on television. But on some level, to have that kind of activity on the background, he's very insecure. He's an insecure guy. And you wouldn't yeah. on the outside, but he's, that's what's going – sorry, you go ahead. No, I'm just agreeing. And there's just a huge lack of conscious awareness. Um, and, again, awareness and the um, pursuit of awareness – is not seen as valuable as yeah. these other things. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's why I'm happy it's all coming out in the open right now. Mm -hmm. is, uh, it's this unconscious or denial or, um, well, and narcissism that leads people to have these abusive behaviors mm -hmm. is getting the lid ripped off it. And so people are just not going to be able to hide anymore. Um, they're, it's too hard to hide anymore. I think yeah. that's what's going on is, is, uh, and then people like you bringing, you know, bringing this out with your program too. you're part of the solution as well. And, we all, we all need to learn more. We all need to grow more. I feel like I am constantly learning more and growing past my own limitations and my own conscious awareness is growing. Um, but there's a lot of blind spots going on out there. And everything I can say about sexism, by the way, you can say about racism too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a question to ask you, and I'm going to come back. We'll, we'll, we'll take a break in just a second. But I'm going to ask you this question when we come back because – you're stimulating a lot of ideas here, and I think one of the things that is so relevant for a person with all the experience you've had is to begin to help us with two things. One is how do we identify a person that has actually experienced these limitations and suffering from some kind of PTSD, and, and some, of our, some of our guests have just called it PTSD because they don't like the word disorder, <laughs> who've been who've had traumatic stress in their lives and uh, what are the symptoms? Number one, how do you identify it? Mm -hmm. And number two, the other question I'm going to ask when we come back is 
how do you set about, and I know you're not going to be able to say this in a limited amount of time, but give us a little bit of structure about how a person can think about coming out of it. How, what, are the, what are the techniques to really rekindle their own internal self-value and mm-hmm. move on down the line in a constructive way? Great. So we're going to take a quick break right now. I'm going to ask these questions when we get back in just a moment. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations, may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression on every level for families, including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know? We refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing. So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. Well, Elizabeth, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and enjoy this conversation because the things you're saying are so absolutely germane to not only the time we're in, but, I mean, if you think about it, this is going to be a little megalomaniacal, what I'm going to say, but the whole evolution of humankind. Because, really, that is what we're talking about. This is, if we stay in the dark ages, and we're still thinking guys chase mastodons and women kick meals, then all of these things are going to be perpetuated. It's just going to be, and, then, and people are going to be diminished because their larger perspective of what they can do and contribute with their lives is limited by some misperception of somebody who happens to have a moment of control where they think they know what they're doing and they miss the whole doggone picture. So the questions I'm going to ask you is, number one, let's talk about identifying it, and then before we're done, we want to talk about what we can do about it. So what do you do in when you're going in on a consultation level or doing a presentation? How do you identify people that, that could get some help and what, what they, how, how they could recognize it in themselves that they may have a little more of a limited vision of, of uh, the experiences they've had. Yeah. I mean, I really want to 
help women see if they have any PTSD symptoms. So I think it's important to go over like what are some of the symptoms of PTSD so you can see if you can recognize if you're experiencing this for yourself. Um, so there's four main uh, groups, I guess you would say, of, of PTSD symptoms. Um, the first one is the one that people think of the most, which is why they think they don't have PTSD. And that's sort of the, when, when you first hear PTSD, people think of the, the shell shock vet type, right? The person who uh, is re-experiencing and reliving the traumatic events. Um, uh, they get triggered really easily to, uh, that takes them out of this time and place and puts them back as if they're in the traumatic event in the present day. Um, so that's called re-experiencing, um, flashbacks, that kind of thing, where it actually changes your physiology. You have a surge in your heart rate, sweating, um, as if you're reliving the traumatic event. So that's the big one everyone thinks of. But then there's other, there's three other categories. Mm -hmm. um, one is avoidant, just not wanting to be with certain people, be in certain places. Um, uh, you avoid certain thoughts, feelings, conversations mm -hmm. that either consciously or not remind you of the traumatic event. Yeah. Um, Excellent point. You isolate yourself. That's a huge one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I've helped a lot of women with that who just don't even want to go out anymore. Um, another way um, that, <laughs> that women in my own family did this, and my grandmother was great at this, she made herself so busy that she didn't have time to think about it. Mm -hmm. so she had a super traumatizing event in her childhood. Um, her sister died and then right after her mother died and she was left to raise five children and she didn't even want to be a mom, let alone a 13 year old taking care of five children. Oh my gosh. It was so traumatizing, but that woman, she got up at four and she went till 11 PM every day until she was 87 years old. Wow. And it wasn't until she was about the last year of her life where she started, um, when no one was in the room, I would just be walking down the hall and I would hear her talking to herself and saying, we were all alone. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help them. I just did my best. Wow. Right? So the track was laid down there, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. So, um, that making, making yourself too busy, which is a, a, a problem I see with women. They are so busy and their health suffers they don't take care of themselves they put everyone else before they'll do anything for themselves that's mm -hmm. super super common with women mm -hmm. um, so then the third category is called hyper arousal i call it hyper vigilance because <laughs> that's how i relate to it um and that is having a really difficult time falling or staying asleep, which is common with a lot of my cl um, clients, um, feeling constantly on, on guard or in danger, like there's danger lurking around every corner, feeling jumpy, easily startled. Mm -hmm. Those are mm -hmm. all symptoms of that. Having um, outbursts of anger, irritability, that all falls in that category. Um, 
So, so the last one's kind of a defensive position when they're angry. What they're saying is on some uh, larger level without saying it is they're vulnerable and they feel there's hyper alert situation going on. And so they attack because they are trying to keep away re-experiencing this whole problem. They're trying to gain control based on an underlying vulnerability that they didn't even know they had. So they're vulnerable. So would they attack out of the vulnerability to keep the whole thing more in control in some way? Well, it's, it's all to keep yourself safe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the last one is negative thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. So especially reoccurring, like recurring mental loops where you just can't stop perseverating on a certain fear um, or thought. Um, and, or you just, you may or may not keep thinking about the traumatic event that could be part of it. Um, and you really, it's hard to feel happy. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to have any positive feelings. Um, you can feel distant or cut off from others. It can be really hard to have intimacy. Um, and you get a loss of interest in things that were, uh, that used to be important to you that aren't so much anymore, things that used to be fun or, or, or activities you enjoyed and you just don't do them so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and feeling that your life may have been cut short. Oh, I hear a- this a lot from people from, from, uh, uh, the traumatic event happened like 20 years ago and they're like, and my life just ended right then and there. Oh yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We'll say that. We've heard that. Sure you've heard that a lot. And then they go into the negative and then the negative was what you were just saying just to, you know, this is going to be bad. That's going to be bad. Why do this? Why do that? I'm just going to have to stay in the house because the whole place is so messed up. And uh, then, of course, you'll find some male who's going to say, that's absolutely true. I'll take care of you. You (laughs) Which is, you know, again, intention and impact, right? Like the intention, I want to be taken care of as well as take care of my partner in a non-codependent, healthy, loving way. That's awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, oh, you're so helpless. You can't do it yourself. I'll do it. That's a inferiority superiority thing going Absolutely. on. It isn't healthy. And it diminishes the person. Absolutely. You, know, you can't take care of yourself, obviously. Now, why would somebody say obviously? I mean, why not just say, look, what can I do to help you? But that whole innuendo of Well, part part of part of anyone that's been traumatized or experiencing PTSD is that learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. Right? Where part of getting traumatized is that in that moment you were helpless you didn't fight your way out of it before you got harmed you didn't run away to get out of it before you were harmed in that moment you were trapped and helpless and that helplessness can get embedded into your psyche Mm -hmm. and not only your psyche into your into your body as well where there's a paralysis that comes with people that have been traumatized. I know this for myself. Um, I had a lot of childhood trauma, uh, both physical and emotional. And <laughs> for the, the whole first 10 years of my career, um, I helped people heal. And, I, and part of that was helping them to get moving 
when I myself couldn't regularly work out. Mm, mm. Cause I was so frozen with this trauma. Mm. So then let's take that quick question. We're getting, I, I've enjoyed this conversation so much, but I want to make sure we touch on this other point because we now have some curiosity brewing in the back. We've identified several different manifestations of PTSD. Mm. And this is going to be a big, big question because there are entire books written about it. But could you give us a couple <laughs> of quick points on some of the key issues that you think need to take place for a person to recover and how you might help them recover and what they can do to, to move forward with their life in some constructive way? Happily, because my biggest uh, concern is that, uh, that your listeners actually receive the support they need. So thank you for this opportunity to share this. I, I have a 10-point thing that people can get on my, my website. It's a 10-point checklist, but I want to give you three points um, that I have found really helpful for myself. My clients have found really helpful, and they're just the real go-to simple things that are easy to hear and take in and do for yourself. Um, one, and I say this, gosh, all the time, is be willing to heal and know that you can. There's a lot of hopelessness and powerlessness mm. that people feel from, from being traumatized, and they don't know that they can get better and feel better. Um, but you can. You really can. There are uh, scientifically proven ways to heal trauma and feel much better, get back into your power, feel your self-worth again, and even regain your sensuality. Because um, that's another thing that gets shut down is that frigidity happens from trauma and that inability to be close and intimate. That's a very so, powerful point. I mean, that's just one point, but that's a very big point because yeah. that is a step overcoming the denial. You're actually putting yourself forward in that situation. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead and let's talk no, about No, no, it's great. I, so, so I say to my clients, wow, if you're willing, you can get help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's basic, yeah. Um, so then um, number two, and this goes on to what I was just saying, is move your body. Uh, Dr. Peter Levine, the renowned um, uh, psycho psychotherapist of uh, trauma therapy um, and somatic, somatic experiencing therapy, um, teaches how trauma gets locked in the cells. And that he says body sensations rather than intense emotion is the key to healing trauma. So for me, somatic experiencing um, was the best form of therapy after, after 10 years of therapy that helped me a lot, but didn't get the trauma out of my emotions and out of my cells and get me out of that stuck place. Um, so that was the best form of therapy I've found and they really go into that mind-body neurobiological connection um, between the emotional aspects and the physical aspects physical. of trauma and PTSD. And within that same category, the safest thing I've found that you can do on your own is called the nonlinear movement method. Um, and I'm now certified to teach this, which is great. I'm going to be teaching it this weekend. Oh, and that's a somatic technique. Yeah, I'm excited. It's so cool. 
Um, it's a somatic technique of gentle, non-force movements, which relieves the body tension and underlying mental loops. And so both of these techniques, the somatic experiencing and the nonlinear movement method, um, they gradually thaw that frozen trauma and stress. So I call trauma stuck stress because <laughs> the stress response got stuck in your cells, in the soft tissue of your body. And that creates that chronic pain and inability to move. Mm -hmm. So um, those are the, the two best ways to move your body. But also um, in that body category is regaining um, the ability to take loving care of your body, to feed it right, to get enough uh, hydration and exercise and care and sleep. One of the biggest things um, that uh, uh, neuroscientists are coming up with is how important sleep is. Um, yeah. And when you have, when you're in that place of PTSD and trauma and you're staying really busy all the time, one of the most uh, chronic problems is people don't get enough sleep or rest. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. really getting in that, that baseline of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and really taking great care of your body. Three good points on a somatic level. Very good. <laughs> and then the last one um, that I'd love to toss out there is to be kind in your mind, every woman I've worked with, are they're just way too hard on themselves. They give themselves such a hard time. All of this sexism and abuse and assault that's come at them, they've turned inward and they continue to do to themselves. They speak mean to themselves. They devalue themselves, put themselves down, don't uh, think that their needs are as important as someone else's. And so really shifting um, out of that victim consciousness and to that place of empowerment. So just learn how to speak kindly in your mind. They um, unwittingly bought that package. <laughs> yeah, it happens, it happens unconsciously. We, yeah, it, we because it just, you get programmed and you're programmed that way yeah. and it just lies down a track. And yeah. this is who I am and this is what's going on and you're not conscious of it. And, yeah. and those three points are such excellent points because when you think about them, those three are the foundation. Uh, I think people really will do very well to go over and get the other points that are raised on your website because you can see that just the way you're thinking brings in both the psychological self-awareness piece, the physical piece, and yeah. then the self-esteem piece to put that whole package together in a operational way I, I'm sure that the other ones that you have there are going to be interesting because they're going to have even more practical value so we do have to wind up and tell us where we can go over and and get those pieces if you will Elizabeth Menzel how does how does one get uh, find those you just go to my site the happy woman academy.com the word the has to be in there, thehappywomanacademy.com. It's all clearly right there, really easy to see. You can pick up your Manifest Happiness Now checklist and free video training. Um, it's a 10-point checklist. It's all right there for you. Okay, and there was another thing here, something about class. I couldn't quite read what it is. Uh, sure, forward... my nonlinear movement method. Yeah, so you can go to um, thehappywomanacademy.com 
NLMM for Nonlinear Movement Method class. Oh, yeah, good. I'm glad you said that. And then the name of your book, let's talk about that real quickly. Oh, sure. My three workbooks, they're doing books. Um, I call them doing books, not not just reading books. Um, Mm -hmm. Supercharge your health vibe, supercharge your love vibe, and supercharge your money vibe. And that's overcoming the five main inner barriers I've seen that women have to actually allowing themselves to receive the love, health, and money that they want. Fantastic. That's great. I mean, you know, that it, it's, uh, and they're all going to be there at Amazon. We're going to have the links up there for you folks on the, uh, on the show notes. We talked about them kind of quickly here. But, you know, I just want to close real quickly, Elizabeth, with thanking you so much for this conversation. I'll tell you what we need to do is we need to set a date because I don't think this situation nationally is going to get better quickly. I think it's going to get worse. <laughs> and I think if something comes up that we need to talk about, that's instructive for our audience. That's like, oh my gosh, here's another piece of the equation that might be worth talking about. Please feel free to get a hold of us because we like your view of identifying the problem, thinking about the recovery, and then having a practice that will keep a person moving forward in a constructive way. Thank you, Dr. Parker. And and the word practice, I use every day because it takes practice to get over this programming and really live as this powerful, happy, healthy, engaged women that I think we all deserve to be. So thank you for being such a great male ally. We need more of you in the world. We're working on it. It takes a team, girl. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being on. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.